Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and it is a new year and we are back at it. We watched several things this week, starting with The Midnight Sky, which is on Netflix, which is directed by and stars George Clooney. It's about a lone scientist in the Arctic who races to contact a crew of astronauts returning home to a mysterious global catastrophe. We watched Wolf Walkers, which is an animated feature on Apple TV+, and we watched the season 13 premiere of RuPaul's Drag Race. So, spoiler alert for all of those things, and also a Spoiler alert for a film called Another Earth, which stars Britt Marling, which we talked about in our chat around the midnight sky. And then be sure to stay tuned after our main discussion, as there are a couple follow-up points this week. And without further ado, here's We're Watching What? Midnight Sky. What did you all think? I hated it. I was just saying, I'm guessing very controversial, but I actually enjoyed it. You what? Yeah. I thought it with the first half was really slow, and I was kind of like, eh. But by the end, I thought it really kind of came around for me. I like—I don't know. I also will preface, I'm a sucker for like outer space movies in general. I typically find the good in them. It but... wasn't an outer space movie. That's the thing. I wanted it to be an outer space movie, but it was just a shitty George Clooney like survivalist thing to me, which I could have done completely oh. without. Yeah, I mean, I guess oh, yeah. he had a lot of screen time, but I thought that, I mean, I was pretty invested in all of the outer space stuff. And I knew, obviously, the girl, I mean, you could tell the little girl wasn't, really there yes spoilers oh yeah it was so obvious from the beginning I knew that and so I was like okay so this is this time on earth is a character study of this pretty uninteresting guy but you know character study of him but the stuff I thought like I don't know I liked the idea I liked that it was quiet and that it was just kind of like a really contained just like this idea that these astronauts went out and they're going to see okay is this where we can now colonize and on their way back, they have no idea what had just happened. And it's this thing where it's just because of the time span, that's passed in between. And it's just this thing of like, don't come back here. And then the choice of like, I don't know, it got me. Like with the two guys deciding we're going to go back and just die on Earth versus like we're going to go and try to set up a life on this planet because there's nothing else we can do. It, it made me, I don't know, I, was, I really was like, what would I do? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. By the end, I enjoyed it. <laughs> Jackie, why did you hate it? I mean, honestly, I didn't finish it. So, you know me, oh. and I just noped right out because I was like, fuck this. How, how far did you get? <laughs> I got, like, whenever he was, like, in the George Clooney storm. showed up and she was like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. No, they. I think I think it was, like, an hour and a half in or an hour. I don't know. I was going like, to say, it's only two hours. So I was, <laughs> you made it that far. Yeah, was it? I, if, I thought I it mean, was two and a half, but. I don't know. Uh, yeah. uh, I, you know, I just got to a point where I didn't care about any of the characters. So I decided it didn't matter if I finished it or not. It just yeah. reminded me of Ad Astra, which I hated, mm -hmm. and you know, and it's just like this really bad version of all these movies I like. So I watched Arrival instead because that's, that's a good choice. Glorious. Yeah, I got to when he's rescuing the girl in the snowstorm. You know, rescuing. You know, she's not real, yeah. but yeah, she's there or whatever. And then um, they're in, <clears throat> stuck in some sort of snowstorm because he wanted to get to a different tower. I, the whole thing was so dumb. I just couldn't, I didn't care at all. It was just like, why would the more powerful antenna like, be in yeah, this radar, like, whatever. radar thing be in a non-permanent building when the permanent building had a really good one? Like, why would, it just didn't make any sense to me that he would like have to even go to this place. So it felt like ridiculous drama for the sake of drama. And then I don't think he's a very good actor or very engaging at all. So I didn't find that very interesting. I guess I found the people on the spaceship a little bit more interesting 
but it was just slow and I didn't care about any of the characters. And yeah. yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. So Matt, I like the part of the movie that you have described. I like the spaceship stuff, which I think does come more into play in the second half, which Jackie, you didn't mm-hmm. see, where it's like, oh, there's this drama of, do we try and go back to Earth? You know, we're coming from this colony. Do we turn around? Like, what do we do? Like that to me was interesting. And I think if George Clooney had put his ego aside and taken himself out of the movie, and just focused on that dilemma, the like, do we save humanity? Not this whole like, oh, I'm a terminal patient, but I'm going to go and talk to my daughter one last time, but actually just save human all, all this crap. That could have been maybe 10, 15 minutes in the movie of just somebody sends a note to them that's like, hey, Earth is not habitable to come back to and them dealing with the spaceship fallout. But because we spent so much time with him, I was just so bored. And then when we finally got to the maybe interesting sci-fi stuff, I was like, I don't, I couldn't give a shit. This yeah, is I mean, just, that's this just, just his ego getting in the way. Yeah. Like it always. Yeah, like, I mean, when when we got to that point, like halfway through the film, when we were focusing more on the outer space stuff and the girl with trying to fix their antenna and the girl dying and stuff and all of that, I I did say to myself that I wished that this was more of the film leading up to that mm-hmm. point. You know, I think it's the where it does suffer. I mean, you, your points are valid, but where it does suffer with the George Clooney stuff a lot is. At that point, the story is not entirely clear yet, so it's kind of mm-hmm. relying on the fact that they think that you'll just be interested enough to get to the plot or to kind of right. understand what's going on, I guess, at that point. And so I could totally see that. And I, I don't know, I was, I was, I was interested enough in it and I, I wanted to know what had happened, I guess, where he was and, you know, how he's living in this weird way and all this. And I was invested enough to get me to the space part. And then the space part really, really got me. And I did like those characters for the most part. And so there were some weak script points up there, I thought, for sure. Some dialogue, I was like, oh, you know. But but then, for the most part, I was invested in them. And, you know, like I said, knew knew pretty early on that that that, that girl was kind of effectively, I mean, his daughter, right? So it's like this yeah, thing. Yeah, it was where, kind of a you know, the manifestation of his daughter, yeah. And so by the end, while I do agree that we could cut down on the stuff, the manifestation of this, his daughter and when he's actually talking to Felicity Jones the last time they're ever going to talk to each other and she's going off to, you know, colonize the new I I got emotional like it was like because when you learn how they're how they are related and connected to each other and it made me think that a lot of the setup with George's character it came more full circle by the end when you realize that you know he had worked his entire life to try to do to try to get to where they're getting now and that while he isn't going to be able to see it and and experience it it's living on through his daughter and I thought, yeah, that was I mean, cool. I, I, so agree. I, I landed it's for a me. good, that's yeah. a good concept. I think it just got lost in all of yeah. the other bullshit. And I think yeah. the other thing that they kept trying to sell me on, and it's something that I think arrival actually to Jackie's better watching choices does well <laughs> is like, I kept waiting for them to be, have there be a twist. I was waiting for zombies. I was waiting for aliens. I was waiting for something. And they kept alluding to something happening on earth that just moved. You know, and I was like, they kept spending so much time on that hook instead of maybe the spaceship drama or even the drama between them. Like, it just trust your audience is my thing. Or, or they were trying to be like, oh my god, they're never going to realize at the end that it's a twist and it's all this stuff. I'm like, no, it's the most obvious thing in the world. I just, I was really frustrated with it by the end, yeah. and and I struggled to get to the end. Yeah, that's fair. And I think I wasn't, I wasn't looking, thinking that there would be some twist. And I do, I did want more info about what happened on earth but honestly and i don't mean to compare it in this way to something that is one of my favorite movies that it's much better than this film but it gave me vibes of kind of like another earth which that is incredibly slow 
and I love it, but it's like, I'm more invested in her character, of course. And that's more of a character drama with sci-fi kind of like coming in, I guess, yeah. rather than a sci-fi I mean, it's, film. It's a character but yeah. I wanted so badly for her to go to this other earth and I want to see, for people who maybe don't aren't as familiar, Britt Marling, but essentially she is kind of a ruined person on earth because of the decisions she made and they discover there is a duplicate of earth that has been come into orbit and they're like, oh my gosh, and it seems that there's a mirror image of ourselves or another of us on that earth. You can win a ticket to get to go to that earth. And so the whole time I'm like, I want to I want to go there. I want to see her go there. She goes and you never get to see her there but then you see her other on our earth briefly and it's over and it's very kind of like lets you kind of come to your own conclusions of of like what's going to happen next it's just showing you this like moment in time like a glimpse so for this it reminded me of that in the way where i wanted to know more about this place they were going to colonize i wanted to know more about what happened on earth and all these things but it gave me that kind of vibe i guess where i got enough to feel like a complete story while wishing i had more yeah i mean i don't think i need all the information like you can have some weird mysterious thing happening on earth that we never get to know i think you just have to leave it right like then it's like okay cool something happened you don't have to keep referring to it right like they kept building up the mystery as if he's like you don't know what happened you don't uh, uh." it's like no well no we don't know what happened so either tell us or don't but pick a pathway and do it but don't keep trying to like tease us with this like ooh, something has happened right and this like ailing dude by himself on the planet is just not interesting yeah, the, the nicest thing I had to say about the movie is that I was happy that they didn't de-age George Clooney for his flashbacks. I was like, oh, thank God. And that actor, God, he sounded so much like George to me. And I guess I didn't, I don't watch Star Trek, but I guess he's played Spock right now or has been. Yeah, well, it's it's Gregory Peck's grandson. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, it's, oh, so it's okay. Ethan Peck yeah. and he's definitely related to Gregory Peck. So oh, that's okay. Wrong, you know. Well, it's funny because when he was on, I'm not familiar with him really. And when he was on, when he was first talking before I made the connection, so like 20 seconds into him talking that it was George Clooney's character, younger. When he was talking, I was like, this guy sounds very old Hollywood. Like he said, he kind of gives me a vibe like he could be in the golden age yeah, of Hollywood, I, you know? Yeah, I actually wasn't sure if they like dubbed him as George Clooney or like, you know, mixed the tracks or something, but I was like... Yeah, I wasn't sure. I haven't heard him talk in real life other than this movie, so they totally could have, but he he did a good job of kind of like nailing George's kind of mannerisms and very, and it's just like his yeah. self, I guess. That, that was the nicest thing I had to say about it. <laughs> yeah, well, and I was excited that uh, Miriam Shore was in it briefly. She was Kyle Chandler's wife on Earth who was telling him that their sons are sick and they've been evacuated and all that. And uh, she plays my favorite character in Younger, which I think I'm the only person on the planet who watches Younger, but I think she's hysterical. Even though she was crying in this, she wasn't funny in this, but I, I was just like, oh, there's, there she is. <laughs> yeah, I, little, little things. I think I was so mad at it because it did have a lot of potential. And like when sci-fi goes wrong, I'm just I'm so angry about it because I'm just like, why? There's so many good stories you could tell about this stuff. There's like the there are so many worlds of possibilities. And yet you made it about your shitty self. Yeah, <laughs> Damn it, it just, George it just felt like. It felt like a weird Ad Astra, like, I mean, meets... self-indulgent. It's these, like, white yeah. self-indulgent uh, Well, like, all of his stuff is, issues. like, Syriana. Yeah. Like, I, oh. I just... Well, he didn't, he didn't direct that. But... No, but he yeah. produced it, didn't he? Yeah, he's a producer on it, yeah. But, but yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and George is... for it for some reason. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, he liked, he clearly liked the script enough to be heavily involved, but... I'm hit or miss with George. I, I don't think he's the, like the most amazing actor of all time. I think he's pretty much George Clooney just playing a new character every time. Like I never, yep. it never remove him from my mind, but I don't dislike him either. I'm like, whatever, you know, he just, he's just there. And, he's okay in the like oceans you know. movies to me. Yeah. But I, th- yeah. I think that's just another extension of his 
per- his his actor persona, yeah. right? His Hollywood persona, but totally. Yeah, and and it, I'm into true. that that version of him. Fine, but I just yeah, and I and I like yeah, I've liked a couple things he's directed. I mean, because he directed this, right? So I I liked Eyes of March. Okay, I, I know people, I think a lot of people hated oh, movie, but I thought it we was are, like, eh. yep, I am. Yeah, I was like, eh. and then I actually liked Good Night and Good Luck. I remember when I saw that, I liked that movie. I think he directed that. <laughs> I haven't but, seen that actually. I don't have an opinion, but oh, uh, I guess I like him in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah, I like him in that. I don't, yeah, I, I don't like that. You know, I think he's he's decent in that. And then you know, yeah, he just he's very uh, unremarkable as far as an mm-hmm. actor goes, but he doesn't like offend me. I guess you know, he's just he's not out there being crazy or anything, which is nice, <laughs> at least that we know of. <laughs> uh, remember Tomorrowland? Uh, oh yeah, Tomorrowland. <laughs> Do I ever? I mean, I do genuinely think he's probably a nice guy and very charismatic and all that good stuff. I just... I appreciate him as uh, Amal Clooney's husband. Like, that's what he is at this point. Oh, no, I will never forgive him for Suburbicon. Never mind. I am... He's he's dead to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, I was able to totally avoid watching that. Oh, it is truly yeah, horrid. Yeah, me too. Like, I, it made yeah. me so angry. That was such a waste. Yeah, Monuments Men, yeah. he... I guess... Oh, you're right. He did direct and write Good Night and Good Luck. Uh-huh. And I liked him in, uh, actually, I don't know if I liked him, he was fine, but I liked Up in the Air well enough, even though I know a lot of people don't think like that either, but that was the one with Anna Kendrick and like Vera. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I liked Up in the Air. Uh-huh. I think it was um, Jason Reitman who directed, and I, I liked yeah. that. I will never forgive, I believe it was the year when, I think it was The Descendants came out, I think it was Descendants, mm-hmm. and I will never forgive, I mean, it's not his fault, but the fact that I think he won the Oscar. Did he and, win or... Or maybe he I was just nominated. It, he won the Golden Globe. I think it Globe. won screenplay. Okay. He won a Golden Globe because I remember a speech very specifically, but he was nominated for an Oscar that I thought maybe he won, but I could be totally crazy. And again, he was fine, but whatever. But I just remember it was the same year that Shame with Michael Fassbender was up for awards. Which is and, one of the best movies I've seen in a very long time, even though it's, I yeah, mean, it's very adult. <laughs> incredible. It's and so I just remember, I, I, the reason I remember George winning at the Globes, I believe, is because he commented on Michael Fassbender in shame during his you know, speech of being kind of like, I don't deserve this kind of thing. But then I thought he, I thought he won the Oscar or something. And I just remember. No, he, like, he, were, he was nominated, but he did not. Okay, he's nominated. And I, I don't think Michael Fassbender was even nominated for the Oscar. Or, or I'm crazy. But I just remember thinking, like, what? <laughs> like, you know, I know it's like two white guys, whatever, but I just was like, because shame is, is something else in its own right. And Michael Fassbender in that movie, like, he can become as problematic as ever, and he is incredible in that film. Like, it's just, it's, it's something else. So I just remember thinking, like, but we're, but we're awarding George Clooney for The Descendants. <laughs> or, like, so- you know that year wow he got nominated several years in a row because he got nominated for michael clayton in 2007 yep remember that up in the air in 2008 and then 2011 for the descendants and that year was jean dujardin for the artist which i actually really liked damien beecher who oh actually he's in this film for a better life gary oldman for tinker taylor soldier spy that was really the same mm-hmm. year and brad pitt for moneyball hell i would have picked brad pitt over george clooney in that scenario oh totally yeah 100 yeah. yeah but he had a, a good few years in that yeah he for a second was kind of i think coming, he's just popular like i think he's yeah. so overrated yeah like i think he's just one of those guys that they're all friends with and they all really like a lot i don't i'm and I'm then sure the people at the who vote parties, he is like the you know such a charmer and yeah, yeah, I think he's probably like really amazing to hang out with. 
and just the nicest guy who remembers everyone. You, dr- you and- drink your Javalia coffee or whatever he's hawking yeah. and you go to Lake Como. And- <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure. That, and that's why I think he gets nominated for everything because he's not great at anything. Really. Well, and in the 90s, I mean, and, you know, beyond a little bit, he's he pulls box office numbers. I mean, because he's, a, he's yeah. a he was like a Hollywood hunk and all this, whatever. And he's a nice guy and he's tolerable. He, but he yeah, he, but he should. No, he has appeal. Yeah. Like. He has yeah. a but for the amount think, of acclaim just, that he gets, he should. But be he's not. Like, yeah, exactly. He's just not. He's not Oscar worthy, ever. No. Not really. No. It's the kind right. of it's the kind of uh, acclaim and stuff that you know not to get too into our, our, our issues that we always have here with Hollywood and stuff. But it's it's the kind of acclaim that a person of color with his talents would not receive. It just yeah, wouldn't. I would agree yes. with that. I would. You know, and so it's that. it's so it can, it can get frustrating because it's like, well, or a woman. <laughs> yeah, even that's yeah, true. So. Most yeah. I was going to say well, for a second, for a second with the Oscars, he was kind of becoming their Meryl with with not even a talent. Yeah, I was talent. just going to say I I know this will not land well with this crowd. It won't. It won't. I think I think Meryl oftentimes falls into a similar boat where she is allowed to phone it in more often and kind of cash in on her previous career and gets nominated for a lot of things that I don't think she deserves the nomination. Oh for. sure, but I think her cashing in is like George's hardest trying. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Like, like yeah, yeah. her, her well, calling it in. I mean, you know, I think the things I yeah. think the things that she's cashing in on are ten million times better than anything George has ever. Yeah, sure. So I'll, give her, she, I'll give her that. But yeah, I think she has a lot of talent. So I I would all I would absolutely say that she's not necessarily like giving it her all all the time, and that you know, but her not all is better than most people's everything. Unless I was like, sometimes she unless brings, we're talking about let yeah. them all talk. In which case. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, sometimes she brings herself down to the common folk, and she just is like, you know what? I just want to I want to do what everyone else does this time. You know, <laughs> she and, wants to make you know everyone else feel like they they could possibly yeah they give them make them re- remind them that like oh maybe i am mortal yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's it uh, you know well i'm surprised matt that you loved it i'll i'll acknowledge that the yeah. sci-fi part of it was the better part of it so this I is our new this you. is our our new mutants for 2021 i know they hate and i was like oh i liked it <laughs> no, I, I, but I didn't hate New Mutants. I just was sort of astounded. I believe you by said it shouldn't have been made. I don't think I said. I may have said that. I believe. Quote. <laughs> I believe well, there's a quote that said. But... I had said that New Mutants should not have been made. I yeah yeah. <laughs> I think that storyline deserves, deserved better. But <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break and be right back. Let's chat about Wolfwalkers. Wolfwalkers. What did we think? Well, I will say that my cat thought it was the best movie she's ever seen. I had high praise, high praise, high praise coming from Rogue. She's picky, yeah. She she doesn't watch a lot of movies, so this was great. No, if you have cats and your cats actually look at the TV occasionally, this one has a falcon in it or a hawk or something, and it makes very realistic noises. And my cat was attacking my TV basically the whole time I was watching it. So. I did have a hard time getting emotionally invested because I was mostly yelling at my cat and trying to get her away from my TV. So uh, uh, advisable viewing experience. (laughs) I was like, I don't know what to make of all this. (laughs) (laughs) That's your one takeaway from the movie. Cats love it. Okay. Okay. Cats love it. Uh, My cats, my cats did not care (laughs) about it. My dog didn't really care about it. I quite liked it. I thought the animation was, was really cool. And I know that the studios, it's, you know, their style. I know it's not like this is the first thing that's ever been done similar to this, but I thought it, it was kind of refreshing, I guess, in the, the different look and stuff. And I, I enjoyed it. And I, 
just to put things out there, I do not think it was better than Soul if we're talking about best animated film of the year. Mm-hmm. But but I enjoyed it, and I, I thought it was kind of fun. Uh, I, fun story, I'm actually, like, mostly Irish, and I don't really know much about that side of me beyond the fact that, you know, there's leprechauns and green and orange, red hair. and I mean, Sh- I know Sham- the but you know what I'm saying? I mean, Sham- that is like, definitely like, the story of your what, people is leprechauns right, but, and red hair. <laughs> well, what you see in a Lucky Charms commercial is about, like, what I know about the real, like, the folklore and the mythology, things like that behind anything Ireland. And it kind of made me start, I haven't done a deep, deep dive yet, but I kind of looked a few little things up, just kind of looking into it and the significance of wolves and this and that and the kind of folklore stuff. And it was kind of fun. And I was like, oh, it kind of introduced that for me, which was interesting. But yeah, oh, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. it. Was, I thought it was very pretty. Yeah. I loved the music, I will say. I loved music. I loved the two songs in it. I thought it was, yeah. I, don't know, cool. I thought the acting was well done, but I think it's just, and maybe this is just like a unfortunate thing, but I just feel like it's getting so much praise and I just didn't feel that it warranted the level to that level of praise. So it was kind of a bummer that it was like an expectation thing for me, um, which I always hate when it's like, because I I would, I would much prefer going into movies knowing absolutely nothing about them and just watching them just so that I can judge them based on no preconceived notions whatsoever. Right. But this one, I've seen it on a bunch of like best of the year lists and everyone's talking about how it's the best film. And I just, you know, it's hard because soul was so much better to me that I didn't really, I don't know. I, I d- it didn't feel like it le- lived up to that to me. I had the same issue. It got very hyped up for me. I think it's a very good film. I felt like it skewed a little more child friendly and maybe a- even a little more aimed at a slightly younger audience. We kind of like shift the bracket downwards because there were points where I was like, oh, the, the children screaming is intense. Like it's a lot of screaming. Can't I can't handle this necessarily. Like I am I'm very stressed out by it. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, maybe parents are, you know, used to it. And I was like, yeah. I don't. This is a lot of yelling. Yeah, no, I think I think it got over. It's a beautiful film. It's very much like their other films in t- sort of style. So I'm like, it's not. We're not reinventing the wheel here. Like they've already made their mark as this, which is great. But we're doing it the same way we've done the last few of their. I think they called it like there's something eerie trilogy or something along those lines. Mm. I did, did you? I don't know. Part of the reason I wanted you to watch this, I was like was it very anti-religious to you? Like, I felt like it was very anti-church. It kind of came across that way to me. And I, what's interesting is I saw this before I had actually heard of it. Like I oh. learned about it. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. It was like, we're talking a couple of weeks ago, but I had, sure. I had managed to have not heard about it. And I, it's no secret that I'm pretty into a lot of the content on Apple TV plus. So I was one day just going through and looking for stuff to watch. And I was like, I wonder if there's anything on there. Cause a couple of shows like Dickinson and Ser- servant, things like that, I'm waiting for them to come back. And I know they're coming sometime soon. So I just like, let me go check. And I saw Wolfwalkers on there and I texted my sister. I was like, have you heard of this? And she hadn't heard of it at the time either. And I just watched it. And so it was nice to kind of go in totally blind, you know, in that way I'd had no expectations. And then I think Dana, I think we were texting and I think it was you who mentioned that, it, the acclaim stuff so I started looking more into that and seeing that it's like oh best animated picture you know picture and this and that and I would love for them to you know get nominated and stuff but I, I personally just don't think it's better well than this Soul. year they definitely well, will <laughs> well they have to right yeah, yeah. I think they would in a, a regular year <laughs> How, as well but I think in know. a regular year it would too it, it was a yeah, good movie sure. it oh, was absolutely. a genuinely it's a good film well I just hype can hurt a lot of things yeah yeah, hype just heard it. And then also, you know, I spent the whole time yelling at my cat. So that was like not a fun experience, for, like viewing for me. So I think that that could also have hurt it. 
And I mean, I was gonna say Sean Bean lived. I, it was yeah. shockingly. shockingly. Yeah. yeah. Maybe when great. it's just as long as it's not his face, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. He's, as long as his face isn't in it. <laughs> I feel like he's he's got a great voice for animation. Yeah, he totally. Does, yeah. I, I think it got a little overhyped for me. I was simultaneously shocked by how it felt like it was maybe slightly aimed at a younger audience, but then it had all these very adult themes, like the dad just being like oppressive towards the daughter and being like, go yeah. ahead, be a slave in a kitchen for it. Like, let's go serve the, that's uh, go work. I was like, what the hell, man? She's a kid. Like, I agree with you about the, it, it did kind of feel like there were tones of anti-religion, things like that. And as a non-religious person, but not someone who would deny any religion, I just, I... I wasn't like bothered by that necessarily, but I did notice it. Yeah, I was just surprised by it. I, I got well, there was totally, totally an environment. Yeah. yeah, there was an environmental message. Like there was all this stuff, but normally I don't see that sort of stuff in something aimed at a broader audience. Sure. Well, and and then to be talking about how so much of it felt like it was aimed to such a young audience, but then there were other things like that that seemed to be aimed toward a much older audience. It kind of almost is like confused, you know? Like, well, what? Who yeah. is this for? Uh, enjoyable. I'm not sure I'm gonna run out and watch it on repeat or anything like that but i totally enjoyed it it was refreshing agreed yeah but not my favorite animated film of the year (laughs) no it's not so yeah it is (laughs) all right and then rupaul's drag race is back sure is oh matt you watched all of drag race last year which is just shocking to me because there's did you you manage to watch season one because that's the almost impossible Mm -hmm. to find season yeah it was on hulu at the time um, i think it's on hulu still hulu Hulu has seasons one through six tv something there's some weird mix where, like, yeah, that's right. Hulu has seasons one through six, and then it had, like, season one and two, I think, of All Stars on Hulu at the time. Because, you know, the story goes, I know people, obviously, you two, uh, who watch it, and you know, religiously. And I have a really good friend, Allison, who's always, since I've known her for the last, like, six years, she's always like, you need to watch it. You need to watch it. And I never was rejecting it, but I just never did it. You know what I mean? It's weird. And I had cable at the time when back then, and I and I just wasn't, uh, I don't know. And then when I got rid of cable and eventually I had Hulu TV, they don't have a deal with VH1. So ironically, even though the episodes are up, they have a deal for, you know, VH1 type stuff, Viacom things, properties to appear there, but in the live TV portion. So I couldn't like record a new season or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it was before quarantine started. I decided to start and then quarantine started happening. And then it made it really easy to just blast through all of them. But yeah, I mean, there were some days, unashamedly, I, I watched like an entire season a day. <laughs> like, yeah, and I was just I, like I cranking re- them out. I rewatched all of it too, because when you rewatched it, I was like, oh. So I rewatched a lot of it during quarantine too. Yeah. I think I rewatched yeah. all of it, but I, I guess I can't. I think yeah. I only watched the season that aired during quarantine, and I. I totally get why they did what they did, but I did not love the remote finale. Like it was really challenging. I and I didn't love that. It, you know, it it's not terrible. their fault, right? Like nobody yeah. knew what we were doing. Nobody knew how to do remote. We, they were trying, they were trying. And so I didn't know what was going to happen with the season, but I'm glad that they, I'm sure did a bubble and, and quarantined and all this stuff. But then the whole, like, we're going to act like we're sending some of you home immediately. Yeah. Was a very weird I mean, I'm going to be very honest. And I think that I don't like this new format. I think it was, weird yeah and gimmicky and just sort of like the thing about i i love reality um competition shows i'm very big in them i watch basically you name one i probably watch it okay but the best ones are when you get to know the characters really well by the end of the season you're really rooting for someone or you're really rooting against someone and so it's very difficult when the lip sync for your lives which honestly are not usually my favorite portions of the show to be Mm -hmm. honest So that's why it was kind of like disappointing in some ways. We got so many of them, but also 
they didn't matter because I didn't care who won any of them because right. I didn't know any of the characters. So there was nothing at stake for me as a viewer. Or you had to go on such little like cliche information, right? Like when they're like, oh, this person just like recovered from cancer. I'm like, of course I'm going to root for them. Right. I can't not root for that person or like this person, you know, like just transitioned or something like that. Of course I'm going to root for them. You've given me something individual about them, but, and I'm sure the other person is a fully formed, whoever they're up against is, you know, like has a whole personality and all this stuff. But if you're only telling me five fun facts and their fun fact is like so extreme, I'm like, of course I want them to continue to be on the show because they've worked so hard to get here. I mean, you've all worked so hard, but you've, you put them on an uneven footing to start, I think is what it did. Yeah, I was going to say I had the kind of kind of the opposite about the lip syncs about caring because it going into every single one, I had chosen who I wanted to stay. And for most of them was disappointed. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I think that's also like, part I hate of it this. Too. But but I knew they weren't going home. I just knew it was like going to be some well, different. Yeah, I don't the I don't pork chop it, thing. He ne- because Rue never said you're going no. home. You're being eliminated. They just said, right. You're getting you're the going, pork chop. You're boring the like, pork no. chop, whatever the fuck. It was not the sachet away, so. yeah. Yeah, so but, it wasn't the full speech that it always yeah. gives. I mean, so. and, and it's like, and, and just, we don't cast all these people just from a technical standpoint, just for them to just go, unless you're doing auditions or something. Well, it's, you don't just cast in COVID them. when it's like, hey, you have to right. do all of these things right. just to get here. You know, because in reality world, you know, you, we have unstructured and structured reality, right? So it's like, this is a structured show where it's that falls into game shows, that kind of thing, competitions. And it's suffering. It suffered from, yeah, what a lot of them do. And they, they feel like they have to bring in some new gimmick or else people will be bored. And I'm here to tell you, it's not it's not like that. We don't get bored. Yeah. I They've done it. They started season six. And it's just so fresh in my mind. But season six, that was the one where they split the premiere over two. So you met six. I like that, though. I liked Please it because I got up. to know each of them more. You know, because it, it, it's like having just six in one episode and another mm-hmm. six in the next episode. It gave more time to get to know them because by that first episode when one queen's going home, it's like Project Runway. It's like all next of top them. model. Basically, you never the remember. The first yeah, person. I, I never remember. I right? never remember who they were. And then you see them at the reunion. You're like, who are you? And so I liked that season six did it that way. But that's the only gimmick out of all of them that I've really, really actually liked, except for some of the all-star stuff has been okay. But I'm like, let's keep the gimmicks for all-stars. Like, let's just have this yeah, be normal. Like, make- you already have your viewers. No one's going to start watching for all-stars because it's for different. Me, exactly. So all-stars for me, I don't mind the gimmickiness because I know the characters and right. I know who I'm rooting for. And they've for already, they've already been through it. the normal, right? They've been so they through give it. them a different challenge. You know, so this is not... So mixing it up for them, I think, is great because then they can't just rest on their laurels or whatever. But these queens, a lot of them, and not all of them, of course, you know, some of them are new to drag, blah, 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 whatever. But a lot of them have been working to get on the show for a really long time. And so for me watching, it was just like, I knew you weren't going to bring them all home, but I just didn't like the idea of that either. Yeah. I think my challenge with splitting it up into two is you're giving me however many more hours for these people to like cement into my brain. And so I feel like it gives an unfair advantage to the first queens to go, right? Because you're like, oh, I already know who they are. I'm already kind of rooting for them. And then you've got the second wave coming. You're like, oh God, okay, more people. Like it's, it's, I think it's just a little bit harder for that second group of people who get introduced. Yeah, it does something to your brain for sure. Which is why this yeah. whole thing, I was like, what is happening here? Like, yeah. this is, not only am I not getting to know them, you're you're just, like, speeding through their intros. Yeah, and, and it's like, why don't, just be more creative and just make a, a new, make the premiere episode a challenge 
that's just new, you know, so that they don't know what to expect going into it. But you can't forget that every time we go into an elimination, everybody has been told what the song is and has to remember these lyrics. So all of these queens went into this show knowing they had to memorize lyrics. So they knew they were going to be lip syncing at some point. Or, well, or potentially, I guess it could my, have been the finale. They could have thought. My like, assumption was it, that they but. thought it was going to be a regular episode and that, that each of them were told like, okay, the last episode, you know, the lip sync for your, because like, yeah. I assume that pilot ep- or not, pr- premiere episode, they're always told because anybody could be going home, right? So they all yeah. have to prepare and they just told them all different pairs of songs. I guess in my mind, it feels like you do it that night. You know what I mean? Like give them one night to learn it, but maybe not. Yeah. No. Yeah. They actually know quite a bit ahead of time in yeah. RuPaul. I follow a lot of them on social media too. They'll post like this list that they got of like what mm. outfits they need. So right. like when you go on the show, cause you know, every week oh, yeah, they, have they have a fashion to bring. show mm-hmm. that right. has a certain theme to it. And like some of them, sometimes they make the outfits, which those are my favorite because I love those challenges too. Yeah. I think that the biggest problem I think I have with Ru- RuPaul's Drag Race in general is that it's very socioeconomically imbalanced leaning toward people so you can win very easily if you have a lot of money and you have designer friends who can make you really amazing outfits mm-hmm. um, whereas the poorer queens or the less educated queens have a lot harder time making it to the finals um, because of the imbalance so things like project runway you know they all get the same budget to make the same outfit and I would I, I just wish that like there was either like budget requirements like you can only spend so much on outfits or you just always had to make your outfits or something like that on the show. I, I wish there was some sort of equalizer there that I, didn't I, require I would, you to have. I a wholly lot of agree money. with that. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. I'd rather go with the budget thing. I'd rather mm-hmm. say, hey, you have this many dollars. Like they gave, like they give them money. You can, like, hey. and you can get what you need to get, whether you're going to make stuff or buy stuff or whatever, and you can use it. I know it's hard because how would you? how would you be able to prove that the person didn't just use their own money on something but maybe they submit receipts i don't know only because i don't think it's necessarily fair to require our queens to also be fashion designers so it's a thing where it's like it just you know you want to be a queen well okay well whether you have the money or not whatever but maybe you don't know how to sew and you maybe you learn how because you need to but i like those challenges so i think they're fun because anyone can be creative enough to to put something together Right. And they're like occasional ones like that. And I think that's why it's a hard thing for me, too, because I do believe that you don't necessarily need to be a seamstress to be a great drag queen. But I just don't it just makes me very sad when you there's obviously queens that just don't have enough money to have the kind of outfits to make the kind of impression that Michelle Visage wants them to have. Right. She's always yelling at them. Who was it last season whose mom was like a designer and therefore all and the, and they had also Gigi. Oh, yeah. Gigi yeah, good. yeah. Gigi, Where it was just yeah. like And so and Gigi okay. made it to the end because of that. And and honestly, Gigi, she was funny in some things though. She did better. She was your favorite at first. She was my favorite for a long time. Yeah, I remember. I did not like um, her to start. Oh, I, I liked I, her well, okay, but I'm a fashion yeah. queen though. I am all about like if you I love the Violet Chachki, I love anyone uh, Sasha Valor. I love anyone who's like a big fashion queen. So those are those are my favorite, which is what's funny about me saying that I don't like the money imbalance because I know that all of those queens spent uh, a fortune on all of their uh, No, but I think what you're saying outfits. is very fair in that sense, right? Because it's like, oh, these other ones might be able to be fashion queens if they had the monetary, had like... Mm-hmm. Well, and it just makes me sad, you know, because I just right. feel like they don't get the opportunity to do as well. Like, totally. I feel like, a- like Aiden, for example, from last season, who... Oh. I didn't love. I, didn't, I did not like. But I, but I do feel like if Aiden had more money to make the outfits in a way that they would have appreciated more, I think Aiden could have gone a little bit further. 
I do money can't buy you a personality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't or a good Aiden... attitude. And Aiden was so like womp womp all the time. Yeah, and I feel For me, that yeah. too. But I think that Aiden had some interesting ideas as far as like fashion and things like that go. Like it was not as cut and dry as some. I mean, I think, I think that brings me to my question for this episode is like, I don't, and this is actually how I usually feel early in a season, but I don't, nobody stood out to me yet. Like usually there's one or two who I'm like, oh, I'm rooting for them. This one I'm like, I don't know who any of you are yet, I guess. I... But did either of you have someone who yeah, started I, to stand up? I honestly really liked Joey J. I thought she was hysterical. I was laughing at Joey J. So she was, I think, in the first lip sync and she got pork chopped. And I, so I was like, because I because I, I liked her. I thought she was really funny, like in her interviews and stuff like that. Uh, he in the interviews was just I, I was laughing at most things that were said, to be honest. And it's like very comedy, but so visual that J, I don't the, remember their names. I know I literally have a list. Joey J was the filler queen. Yes, yes, the filler queen. Okay. Yeah, I liked her, and then I liked Rose mostly because the name because. If oh, I, I liked Rosé, too. If I was a drag queen, my name is Rosé. I was Rose, so, so I was like, Because oh. Rosé lost, too, right? Yeah, Rosé lost, too. Yes. I mean, there were a lot. There were some that I, you know, I was happy about winning, some that I wasn't. But in general, I I, I was, yeah, there were a couple like that that I was like, what? Kamara Hall's oh, outfit was, like, stressing me out. It was not fun. I can't even remember what. Yeah, see, that's, it's, it's hard to even find. And then I was intrigued, I guess, um, Tina Burner, who... I guess is like very competitive with uh, Tina Burns is a singer, right? Uh huh. She's competitive with Rose. Mm. They're, they're New York queens, and New York queens always bring good drama because they're like they're I have, love a New York queen you know, because they all they, for the well because they clubs. all have their like yeah in the same clubs, so they all have like drama on each other, and they all come into this with with um, thoughts. Yes. Wait, to Tina Burner, really quickly. Um, uh-huh. I she do, do y'all know who Graham Norton is? Uh huh. I they dated. Really. really? Yeah, which wow. I mean, good for good for both of them. I'm confused. I'm not sure who I'm happier for. Next year. I don't think they're still <laughs> dating. Like, yeah. I love. I'm like obsessed with Graham Norton. I think Graham Norton is fantastic. Um, I would say good for for Tina, just because Graham Norton is. A, That's a much yeah a, much bigger name, but but also know, Tina yeah, is a lot you know. younger than Graham, so like maybe good for Graham for. Although she's not she's not all that young though, because remember they were making fun of her for or kind of no, throwing she's, shade at Graham forty, but but Graham. Oh yeah, I like Denali were... too, the ice skater. Yes, yeah, that, oh I like, yeah, I, that, her, I was yeah. so surprised. I was like, how dare you send Denali home? They lip synced in ice skates. And, I know, I was shocked that she lost. Yeah. I couldn't even believe it. I was like, what I was shocked. Here? That was really weird to me. And then I liked uh, Simone, who she was. I thought she was funny too. She's LA queen, which I often root for my hometown. Well, not my hometown, but my town that I live in, queen. But uh, she was the one who showed up, and she was wearing the the little uh, dress made all of photos of her of herself. Yeah, and I that thought was that was funny. I liked that. I thought she was. Yeah, funny. I did like that. Candy Muse is one of those ones I'm probably not going to like very much. Which one was yeah. Candy Muse? She's like a a New York queen who thinks. Oh yeah, she was the first. She she went up against Joey J and she won, and I couldn't believe it. Yes, she reminded me a bit of uh, Miss Vanjie. Yeah, (laughs) but I can feel that a a Bobo version. But she was very like uh, because I guess she was part of the House of Aja or something and something you know. But she was just like so full of herself, and I was like, ugh, I just find that so unattractive. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean. But it's Usually hard. I don't. In a, in a, I don't a, they're not set in stone yet, right? right. And a, it's like my first impressions, but a first episode again. It's you just never know. And it's like 
it's also it's so just new to them. Yeah, we did nothing. Right. We did nothing about them. And we and we haven't even seen them interact with the full groups yet. And and it's it's like we you know they're they're all so different. Even if it was just a normal season, they're all they're all new to this and for the most part, right? And so it's like it takes a few episodes usually before they start getting comfortable enough to like be who they're going to be on the show. You know, so mm-hmm. I almost wish that I almost wish, and now that the way things like HBO Max and some of Apple TV Plus stuff has done where they release episodes like three at a time. I almost wish we could start getting like three uh, three premieres. Like you mean like Twelve Dates of Christmas did? <laughs> yes. Like I w- I want to get because then by that time we had cemented feelings about these people. Right. And I will obviously be tuning in Friday. Like there's no question. But it's a thing where if I was a first time viewer and wasn't able to binge like I did, I don't know how interested I would have gotten right away. It's hard this to would, say. This would be a very hard season to start with. I think. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, it and, would be. But it was yes. the most watched one. This is the most watched premiere of any RuPaul's Drag Race. Sure, yeah. but Season. is that because there's nothing else to watch? I mean, that too. I hope. Yeah. Or in some ways, probably a, a lot of people started maybe started watching them during the quarantine. But it did get. Or... Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Is it actually? Um, I read some articles that were like, "Wow, it got really popular during quarantine." Right. I think so. when people realized it, things were available on Hulu to start, and then it's like you know, it made it easy to go back and re and watch it all. I, I do have a question for you two, though. I, Jackie, I don't know if I know this answer, but do you have, like, favorite queen of all time from the show? I know that's um, a loaded, loaded question, but. Oh, that is such a loaded question. Um, I think Vanjie, because they are recent-ish in my memory, I'm a big fan of. Um, I love Sasha Velour. I love her. Ooh. I really Katya love. is a good one. Oh, I, I think. Juju B for me, also, like, representing Jujube. the Asians Jujube. was a really big one. Oh, I love Juju. Do, who's your do you have a top i'm i'm chad i love chad oh chad michaels i, I love chad michaels <laughs> chad season one yeah. should have won in my opinion and then one and an all-star season eventually but i think all-star season one and i just it looks like the one who does the share impersonation looks like yeah, yeah, so yeah. much plastic mm-hmm. surgery like mm-hmm. i chad, because it's a little melty in the later years yes but but i i am i'm the kind where i like the fashion stuff whatever but like jackie was saying she's a fashion queen i like the crazy like like the the I am so over the top and just crazy at like crazy in an endearing term, not like you're nuts or something in real life. But I, I like, just mean like I like they are so committed and just mm. I loved Chad like the the plastic surgery and I'm gonna look like this and this and whatever and just being so out there, but then like so kind of seemingly cool as a person and just super like yeah, this is just what I do. This is who I am. But like I'm I don't know. I like it's like the yeah, whole kind of showboaty. Unrepentant, I think. Jackie, I'm with you. I loved Ben Delacreme. Until yeah. they pulled that move and eliminated themselves, and I was me like, too. Oh. I I, w- I just lost so all respect yeah. because. And the thing is, but so I weak. but it's similar in the sense that I loved them because they were like a comedy queen, but they were just sort of like over the top and a little bit fashiony too. And then I, but as soon as they eliminated themselves, I just kind of lost. Yeah, respect. I mean, I love Bianca Del Rio. If we want to talk about comedy, like I think yeah, Bianca's a top five for me for sure. Oh, Bianca's amazing. Like there's just and I mean, it, and it's funny because you watch her season and it's just so. She's so overwhelmingly in front of everyone. Well, else season it was season time. six that dual yeah. premiere, and I yeah. I'll never forget watching it. I'll never forget it was like May, but <laughs> I was watching it, and I remember thinking right from the beginning, I was like, "Well, she's gonna win." I just it was, it was so obvious. Well, and it was so, just like she was so head and shoulders above everyone else that it was just, there was just no question ever. I think the queen I have warmed up the most to is like I could not stand Shangela. When she was on the actual show, like I did, yeah, but she's terrible. Trying to put the tagline in and just like it was too much. But now I'm a big Shangela fan. Like I think she has done 
Yeah, I did not like her either, honestly. I didn't like dislike her as a person, but I thought she was so annoying. Yeah, and I mean, she was just, just thirsty for it, right? She was. It yeah, was just like it was so and, much. Yeah, and when they brought her back, I was like, Ugh, like why? But but post, she was okay. I liked her better the second or was she the one that came three times or was that she's been three she's been on the show three Three. times. yeah so maybe by her third time i started liking her more but then everything post show i like like her yeah and i've actually seen her i've seen her out at bars before here and i uh, but it's like i like her but yeah i was the same where i was like it took a long time for me to warm up to that one (laughs) yeah it took me a while to warm up to her too but she's been doing so much she's in everything I think I have to give also respect to Bob the Drag Queen for just love mm-hmm. having a great I love Bob. Career. Yeah. Love Bob is Bob. great. And Bob is hilarious and fun. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I also really liked, I don't want to get the name wrong, so I'm making sure I have her here. But uh, yes, Latrice Royale, I thought was just. Mm, I like, like Latrice. Yep. Just seemed, seemed like such a, like it's just a person I want to know. Like so I, fun and just. I did not love Latrice and how Latrice mm. thought that she needed to win and that she was like owed win i mean i see it's, it kind of goes with the like i don't know i it kind of flowed into the attitude that i look for i guess for me but i could see that but i i when i what i was saying as an extension of what i was saying with these drag with the drag queens that i love it's essentially the the reality tv personality i'm always going to choose where when we talk about a housewife show i always end up liking your lisa vanderpump or you're like you know like the, the ones that are the most just like they think something of themselves and think this. Mm-hmm. And so I, I like a drag queen who kind of comes on and is so just kind of like, like this belongs to me. If I don't win, I was done wrong. <laughs> like just very, they're just so committed to like, they are the greatest thing that's ever happened. But it's because I, it's like in reality TV, that's what I, I like, like that over the top. It's funny to me, you know, so. Yeah. It's for some reason it didn't run me right with Latrice. So. I mean, I think it flirts, it flirts between the line of, confidence and like entitlement right and sometimes yeah. they're confident and sometimes they're entitled and I, I like a confident queen obviously right, I right, just, right. but it's such a it's a razor thin line for me for her specifically it just felt very much like she was owed it and that they you know needed to just hand it to her and I was like oh you didn't deserve it though in my opinion so it was I, just yeah I feel like maybe it was a bit of insecurity because like I do think there is also a lot of sizeism sizes sizes mm-hmm. that's a word right that happens on the show well, and I think and especially when Latrice was on they there was like no shot at a larger queen winning yeah, yeah. and so and she the- had to act overconfident because she knew she was fighting against a you know a couple of factors I, I'm, I'm gonna that's a possibility I don't know what actually and she also doesn't have the money that some of the other queens right. do, too, speaking of that. You know, so yeah. she had a but, lot of- But there is a history on the show. And I mean, just in general, and I know this has been a criticism before of Rue, but that Rue very, very much favors the pretty queen. And often they do win. And we see that. That was something interesting I felt like about the season. And I'm not going to lie, I was not paying the closest attention just because so much was happening. But- I feel like there are a lot less fishy queens this season. Mm-hmm. That everyone has a little more of a distinct other type of style. Yeah. Well, I was proud of Rue for including a transgender man this season. After yes. yeah. everything that they have said in the past. Yes. They've got a lot of yeah. work on. Uh, but yeah. but it, it, I am always happy to see people correct their mistakes. So I was happy to see that. An interesting one because... You know, not that we had to get into the whole debate about that, but I, I did read some about that as well. Was should transgender queens be allowed to compete versus not allowed to compete? And mm-hmm. what's interesting is I had never thought about it in this way. Everything I've ever read has always kind of been more about trans women and should they be allowed to compete? And 
I'm over here being like, well, I mean, you know, whatever. I'm not going to purport to know how to make these rules and what, you know, what I'm new to this world in that, in that way and everything. But it did strike me as a little bit different, I guess, where I was kind of like, oh, okay, but this is something where you are kind of expressing feminism as like a showcase and a show that you're putting on versus like, I am a woman. Right. And this is how, so I could kind of see the discrepancies there, but a trans man, that's so interesting to me. And I love it. I thought that was so kind of cool. Cause it's like, well, now this is a man. I doing would drag. honestly, I would you love know? a drag. I would love a drag King season though. I'm going to be yeah, honest be fun. or a no, couple of drag Kings. Yeah. Like, I don't know why we've never included or just drag a show. Kings. Like, why is there not a RuPaul's drag race yeah. Kings? Yeah, because they've done yeah. a couple different challenges and stuff with, with, uh, you know, when they, I love the challenges when they have a friend or just some random, like, you know, volunteer worker when they did the crew or whatever. And they have done a couple, maybe it was an all-stars thing, but I remember uh, where they did drag Kings and I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. I just, I, I, I want a little more inclusivity there, but like yeah. including transgender man, a very exciting, yeah. I do understand protecting spaces that were for a specific thing, but I, yeah, it becomes, it does get a little, it kind of becomes like a, a, a exclusive club of kind of like, you know, what well, do you want to expand and like invite people into your world? Or do you want this to be like, no, this is just us and you can look at it, but you know, and it's interesting, but there is also the point of, well, I, I would totally watch and I think it'd be really cool to do it. There's also kind of as, as a cis man, I often joke and talk about how like fashion wise, it's so we're, it's so boring for us. You can do over the top and cool things, but they often start leaning toward more stereotypically feminine type ways for a man mm-hmm. to dress. If you're going to do anything adventurous, we talk about what Billy Porter, things like that are doing on the runways. And so when you talk about, okay, we're going to put on a drag show and it's all dressing like men it's it's almost less like adventurous and flashy but i don't know though cool. you should you should look but, up some of the drag kings because they are doing oh I, I have oh, i have i just i content. yeah no, and it, no that's the thing is you i think that the theming would would need to be you could do it i think that the theming would need to all be a little more over the top than just like oh here's a night totally you know, at, at the ball or you know or whatever like a yeah you know kind of thing where it's like it's a little different with the fashion stuff but and it could kind of get costumey to me from what I see. Yeah, you, you would need to do like Met Ball over Fashion Week, right? Like you yeah. need to do more right. more extreme. But I mean, that's, that's drag race too. So I don't see totally, why. Yeah. No, yeah, no, it could, it could totally, it could totally work. I just, you know, it would be, it would be interesting. I would totally watch it. And I, I'm surprised that someone hasn't done it, even if it's not RuPaul. Like just anyone try to. Well, maybe especially this sure like kind of gimmicky things that they keep trying to do. I'm like, bring on some drag kings. Why yeah, haven't we yeah. done it? <laughs> well, remember like when, I mean, it, I remember thinking this would work on the show or not, but remember when Next Top Model, you know, brought in men and women and it was kind mm-hmm. of like, they were all just, it wasn't like one season, they might've been a guy, a guy winner and a girl winner. But I think there was a season or at least one season where they were just all competing for the same exact prize. And it was either going to be a man or a woman winning. Yeah. Yeah. And, or it could be anyone in between at this point. You know, it's like whatever, whatever, however you identify, you know, you could bring all kinds of people in to enjoy their world of drag. And how interesting Wait. if you had a, content, a competition that was some theme and you had drag kings and drag queens both walking in and competing against each other. You know? Yeah, I mean. Be, it'd be interesting. I guess the way that I even picture it is just letting a couple in at a time. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? And yeah. Yeah. Which I think would be wonderful. So maybe they will. It'd be cool. I mean, I feel like they have to be thinking about it. I can't believe that it hasn't come yeah, up at all. Yeah, it, it has to have, I'm sure. I'm sure it's come up. I do think it's a question of, mark, you know, just to marketability and audience and stuff like that. I feel like it took a while to sort of become mainstream accepting of drag queens. And, you know, there's still even, I would say, in the queer community, like a little bit of stigma sometimes towards drag kings. 
And so, you know, I, I hope it accelerates and it gets accepted more quickly, but it, I, I could see that like, okay, well, it's still a TV show, right? Like, is it their job to do this stuff? You know, yeah. we're going to see like the past yeah. couple seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race have gotten very um, commercial. We yes. Say. Uh, the, now all of each of the, you know, the workroom moments are sponsored by different well, I think they've always been. It's just they always, always like, were, it's more but, mainstream yeah. stuff that mm-hmm. we actually know, right? It used to be like, here's this like obscure wig company. Not even obscure, probably. It's just like, here's like a niche wig company. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, here's, yeah. you know, whoever. I don't remember what they were called anymore, it, it but was it was like, kind of funny. But it was like the first like five or six seasons, it was the absolute lounge. Like that they would be in, it was always yeah. absolute vodka. Yeah, they'd have an absolute cocktail and like whatever. And so they always had very heavy sponsors. I think it's but... it's a bubbly this, which I love. I love bubbly waters. <laughs> oh, is it bubbly? They were they they were all drinking bubbly waters in the winter. Oh, okay, yeah, I didn't even notice. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, but I did. I did notice when they changed the lounge. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. I do like that they like because the alcoholism and stuff. So I, I do appreciate that, like when they have like non-alcoholic versions. Yeah, for sure. Well, and we've. I mean, have we had a couple? Sober queens before, I believe yeah. we have. So it's we kind have. of like it's almost insensitive to kind of be like shoveling. Okay, here's your cocktails, you know. When well, and I guess like- it's like a actually kind of a big problem with drag queens because you know they are at bars all the time. Yeah, that's true. I'm sure, I could I could see that. I think there's also oh, been yeah. like substance. Abuse. I don't know. I could be yeah. making this up. I'm sure. I mean, no. Any any there reality has, show, there yeah. has been. Yeah, yeah. There, ha- I remember there was something. So. Yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, I, I think we all agree. I wish that they would give up the gimmick thing. I hope the rest of the season is not gimmicky and they just felt the need to do that for the We fell in love premiere. with the show for the normal reasons. You yeah. don't have to do anything wild. And they can keep the gimmicky stuff for all-stars if, they, if they're continuing to do that. I don't even it. know if it's even, like gimmicky. I just feel like it's different, you know? Because like, uh, m- most of the time it's within the constraints of the actual show and drag culture and all that stuff. So... Yeah, it's true. I guess I look at it like, you know, I used to work on the show The Challenge, uh, MTV, and so also Viacom. And I, you know, every season we're like, oh, okay, what's the new theme this time where it's something totally different with the structure of this or that? And they're not doing that here. So that's good. But that one makes sense to me because those are the same, a lot of the same contestants coming back over and over and over. So it, it helps change the dynamic of people. But when you have all fresh people coming in, it's just it, it kind of like you don't really necessarily need it to be different. But I guess they they could argue they just want to keep everyone on their toes even extra. And they're like, oh, didn't expect this right away. And it, it did kind of shake them all up maybe. So, you know, maybe it'll make for because now well, they all talk to each other and stuff, too. So I'm sure that like there's a lot of. Yeah, well, we have this whole porn. we have the pork chopped and then we have the ones who won. And it's kind of like you're going to have probably some attitudes of kind of like well I already know I'm better than you because I you know came in and lip synced you out right away you know so it's that kind of thing where it could set up some little animosities I guess yeah the uh, the pork chop thing I just I don't like it we're gonna see how it plays out but I feel bad I I, I did not yeah I didn't remember who pork chop was I only remember because they call her she's always at the finales and Rue's always like hi pork chop and she's in the audience always and I always I don't know why it's like some weird thing that Rue has with pork chop where pork chop is just always around for some reason and she's kind of made a name of herself on well it's like the Vanjie thing culture you know I mean Vanjie only got got invited back because she got popular after she got off the mm-hmm. first time because right. she was said that Vanjie, Miss Vanjie. And everyone yeah. laughed about it for like, you know, a while. And so yeah. they invited her back on the show. I mean, I also, I don't think I, I don't even know if I saw 
the first season because there was a period of time, which is why I was so surprised that I guess Hulu has it because, you know, it's filmed differently. It's oh, yeah. the production value is not there. And I, my assumption was Rue was like, never let this see the light of day again. And oh. so it just buried it. And so there was a while where you couldn't find it. Like it was just not, well, it every is pretty season bad was looking. on Netflix I mean, for a while. Yeah. It's, it's the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> it, 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 I like, mean, kind of, yeah. I mean, yeah. everyone jokes about it, but it does genuinely look like they put Vaseline on all yes, of the cameras. Yeah, no, it does, and it's and but it I in in twenty twenty before the world had gone down, I was able to watch it totally fine. I didn't feel like it was a chore to watch it, so I mean, it was still it still was good, but yeah, it's yeah, it's still very, enjoyable, very dated, yeah. very dated. But uh, the production value was definitely not yeah. where it is today. Yeah, first but it, I mean, it's a first season figuring things out. <laughs> yeah, but also it's a first season for well, a show that I'm sure proving... didn't have a ton of funding, you know. So it it, it was and back in the day too, I think these reality competition shows were just sort of starting to come around and, you know, and Rue is probably trying to prove that there would be an audience. Uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, I think, started in 2009. Oh, I think I it was 2009. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, I 2009 was, was the first season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so still, it was, you know, things like existed, still, but it still wasn't paving new way for this for kind drag, of totally representation. Different. Yeah. So it's something where it might not have, I mean, because also you think about it's an unfortunate truth, but you know when we're looking at at Nielsen ratings and things like that, and oh, what shows are we greenlight here and there? Middle America is a huge; it's still a huge market, and it's a mm-hmm. thing where it's like they think about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And for something like this to become a sensation that it is, uh, is pretty powerful considering how much of America prob and the world probably is like super anti it. So, yeah. as a network exec, would probably have a lot of apprehensions in two thousand nine. Uh, moving forward, you know, with it just because of that. Netflix did a post where they had, um, it was the one where Christina Aguilera surprised the Queens. And so it's like her on stage and someone commented, it's like a Facebook post and someone commented and they're like, what are men dressing like? And then of course Netflix responds and they're like, that's Christina Aguilera. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez. Ouch. Poor Christina. (laughs) Poor Christina. It's the only time I'll ever say that. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, she's doing fine, though. She'll be fine. She's fine. I just thought it was kind of fun. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see where the season takes us. But, you know, I'm going to watch it. So, (laughs) yeah. Totally. I'm sure sure by next week we'll have more concrete favorites and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you both. Yeah. Thanks for having us. All right. Oh, yeah. First show of the new year. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It is, huh? I forgot to text you, Jackie. Thank you again to Jackie and Matt for joining. And now a couple follow-up points. First of all, The Midnight Sky is only two hours long. I was wrong. It just felt a lot longer to me. And as for the stars of that movie, Ethan Peck is indeed Gregory Peck's grandson. And George Clooney won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor in Syriana. He was also an executive producer, so I think it's fair for Jackie to blame him for a lot of it. As for Wolfwalkers, it is the third in the Irish Folklore Trilogy from Cartoon Saloon from directors Tom Moore and Ross Stewart. The other two are The Secret of Kells and Song of the Sea. And Jackie was correct. The premiere of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 13 was indeed the most watched premiere yet. And of note for other reality sort of competition shows, season 20 of America's Next Top Model, which aired in 2013, was the one called America's Next Top Model 2.0, Guys and Girls. And it was the first season to feature both guys and girls. It only had one winner. It was not a guy and a girl winner. Only one person won. There were only three seasons, it seems, that had mixed casts, and then it reverted to a singular gender pool of contestants. So I'm not sure what inspired the change, but it was short-lived. So it would be interesting to see what lessons RuPaul or other drag shows 
might learn from America's Next Top Model. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.